Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the Shuffle Bus. I'm Jesse, your host, and with me as always is Neil, my always present co-host, or as they like to call him on the Vector Sigma Discord, not King Neil. How's it going, Neil? Well, it was going good. Just gotta <laughs> rub that stuff in, I guess. I, yeah, man, it's so funny. I've been having a blast with those guys over there, giving you a hard time. But uh, uh, So, Neil, tonight you and I are going to break down some control lists we've been brewing because we broke down some aggro lists we were brewing in episode 13 and it seemed kind of appropriate maybe to break down the control lists a little bit. However, we will preface this that um, the control lists are a lot more difficult to sort of feel out because they're really sort of meta dependent. And I think it's something that only as the meta evolves, will we really hone in on a control list. So, Early controllers are most likely not 100% accurate and probably the most likely decks to rapidly evolve over the coming months. But uh, we thought we'd take a stab at it tonight and uh, share those lists with you. And some of these are actually sort of what I would call aggressive control shells. And so uh, if you guys are all ready, let's hop on the bus and let's take a ride for episode 14. All right. So, Neil, we are uh, we're going to dive right into this sucker. I, I don't have too much uh, to add. It's a beautiful day here in Nebraska. Um, it seems like a good day to talk about control decks. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about your first deck that you wanted to put out called Pump Spells. And let's um, let's sort of break down your inspiration for this. How did, how did you get on this deck? How did you sort of um, land here? What was your sort of tipping point for maybe trying to build it? Just talk to me a little bit about the inspiration. So this deck, I would definitely classify as, you know, like you were saying, an aggressive blue deck. It, you know, for me, control would imply that it has a lot of answers, and I think this deck's pretty proactive. Um, the way that it came to be was just that in playing, like, the Galaxy deck in Wave 4 and just some of the more recent blue-type decks, um, it seemed like all I ever wanted to do is play leap into battle. <laughs> and yeah, why not? It just like, it like makes your poopy guys that are, you know, normally just speed bumps into a real attacker kind of. And it, it always just felt really good to do that. So this deck is the maximum number of leap into battles. Um, so, so obviously for listeners that that's going to kind of spoil the action plan of the deck, but um, like talk about the team that you ended up on and why you ended up with that well, team. And that, that comes from this like maximum number of leap into battles discussion, right? Like, so mm -hmm. I wanted to play leap into battles and my list of leap into battles is obviously the literal card leap into battle. The deck also has max copies of opportune offensive and max copies of hand-to-hand -hand combat. This might be too many. It probably is too many, but as I test it, I will shave those. Um, so to get the best use out of uh, opportune offensive and hand-to-hand -hand combat was the goal. Uh, so I wanted melee guys, and I wanted Decepticons, as well as one 
uh, mercenary to turn on the uh, opportune offensives. Mm-hmm. So my melee mercenary is locked down. I just think he's a very solid guy. Um, I, I think he's got great stats, and I think he was sort of overshadowed in wave four by you know the the big three tall control men like Jetfire, Galaxy Prime. Right. We just, just they just really overshadowed shadowed a ten star bot. Right. We just we didn't have any like three wide aggro decks at the time. So having this like aggressive 10 star guy was not very important to that format. Right. Um, here, because of the way the game has changed, we have all these like really powerful, good stat mid range guys. Like you can play a three wide deck. I think that has just these kind of beefy statted dudes in it um, on, on either side, orange or blue. Um, mm-hmm. So lockdown, like I said, he fits the bill of melee and Merc. Yep. Um, and which turns on those opportune offensives, which is second copy of Leap into Battle. Right. Plus, it's probably a little bit better just because of the black pip on it and the Pierce three, even though right. you can only it, hit. Yeah. Two so games. obviously, I can't target the lockdown with that one, but that card is very powerful with the blue black pip and the plus three plus three pierce um, mm-hmm. effect. Like that's just, just a good card. So lockdown was the first spot. Um, I then went through a list of melee Decepticons and they're all really bad. <laughs> they're, yeah, well, me- they're... melee pre- previous to this wave were, were in a pretty poor place, right? We've, we've discussed, right. I was, I was looking at that like ad nauseum. I was looking at like, wave one bombshell and stuff like just dudes with stats and uh there's there's just no good ones so uh i did pick two cards from wave five that are both melee and decepticons that i think are actually very good and i think Mm -hmm. they're they're the best ones in that category um which are pounce who is great he's just a pile of stats and has the potential to be even bigger um you don't yeah. you don't have to use any flips on him he's just great and horrible who his stats are okay uh but his ability is very good and um i put the the two health head on him because i can only fit another another single star and, uh, and to be honest, like the two star health head is probably the best you can do in a control list where you have one star just because horrible. Like you said, his stats aren't super fantastic. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, horrible is, is a pretty powerful bot. And, and his stats five. are, his stats are fine, right? Like, I mean, he's a couple points better than most of the five stars and his ability is very powerful. So I, I think he's above the curve. Um, you just got to do a little bit more work because uh, his power is in his abilities. Um, but this deck doesn't require a lot of flips, so you can flip horrible to bot mode to use his good ability and then flip lockdown to um, bot mode for the bounty when he attacks. And then, you know, from then on, 
based on a game state, you can flip either one back, but you probably never right. flip pounce. Um, but I have these three. Cause we're not really buying into pounces, uh, bot mode ability here right like we're right there, there are saying, secret saying, actions in the deck but that is not the point of the deck uh right he's just yeah i mean the, got awesome stats on the front side yeah. and he's melee and he's decepticon it kind of sort of gives you the ability on the pound turns to use your secret actions as another uh in this case plus two pumps so not quite leap in the battle but right, still really but, really good you know you get he gets plus two attack if there's one copy of uh spy masters in the deck so if you set one and leave it, it stays on, you know, you can use his buff and play a leaf or whatever. I, he's just, he's just a very good guy. And I think we're going to see a lot of him. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's, he's definitely a bot that's punching above the curve. And, uh, you know, for all the eight star, like cliff jumpers, we saw, right. Sort of evolve through the meta over the last year, year and a half. Um, Pounce is a very similar sort of powerful eight star and eight stars seems to be a really sort of key star value uh, in deck building and deck design. Yeah. I, he's just really good. I have a lot of decks with a pounce in them. Um, <laughs> so again, the goal of the deck is just to play a, a big power increase action return. Um, I do have, Hidden fortifications and a couple of sabotage armaments, um, just because I think those cards are very good. But mostly it's the pump spells. Um, so let's let's sort of break down the the upgrades first. There's not a ton of upgrades in the deck, and then we'll we'll dive into all the actions and break down the exact counts. And of course, as always, these decks are going to be listed on the notes on our SoundCloud account. So if you're wanting to specifically look at the Fortress Maximus. Uh, stats on the deck and or download the deck to octagon or just uh, the text list so you can build it on your own when you get wave five cards here in the end of may um, this is going to be available for everybody to see so let's start uh, really simply with the armors because it's the lowest count of armors we've seen probably in a while in a blue deck i i, I just think we've always sort of relied on our armors to be uh, the the component of survivability in a blue deck, and since this is a more aggressive blue shell, maybe it makes sense that there's less armors. But kind of walk the listener through why we only have two armors in the deck and what those two armors are. So they're they're covert armors. Um, obviously, all the dudes are melee, so it can go on anyone. Um, I think even the head is melee. Yeah, so <laughs> um, you could covert armor him. I. I like the rock, paper, scissors armor. It's possible there should be a sparring gear in the deck. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really a fan of any of the armors that don't have a green pip. Um, it's possible this deck wants a bashing shield, but at this juncture right now, it's just the two covert armors, but those are about the only thing I can think of putting in that slot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to consider playing covert armor here. Uh, I think I had, it's obviously not very po- it's not very probable to see the plus two defense trigger off of it, just because there's not a lot of specialists in the meta right now. But I guess if you end up against a shockwave list, you might be in pretty good shape. Right. It's it's just like a fine armor to have, right? I, mm-hmm. Um, it's not a card I'm excited about, but I thought that because they're all melee that it's 
as good as sparring gear and has a blue pip. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I, I completely agree. So let's the utilities let's move on are to the utilities are more yeah. exciting. Um, I agreed. I have a pocket processor. I, that's you know everybody's playing this card. It's good. It's green. We all know what it does. Yep. Um, I'm playing three enhanced power cells. Uh, it is plus three health utility. This card, yeah, and it's a black pip. I think this is an underrated card in Wave Five. We kind of poo pooed on it a little bit in our initial like discussions in Wave Five, uh, but I think the more we're seeing how the game is evolving. Uh, that plus three health on any bot, regardless of star count, is pretty solid. I just, pretty solid. I just admit to being mostly wrong about black pips in general. Like, I've never liked the cards that are only a black pip very much, but the way that the game is right now, where um, the defensive decks are super defensive, you just kind of need it and. There's a lot of good instances of static pierce. And once you start having those, then the additional like single blacks or whatever you flip in combat are, you know, better than an orange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and this card is just like powerful in general because of its text. So having the black pip is fine. And I want a certain um certain number of blacks in the deck for the horrible ability. So this fits right. a lot of boxes yeah you know it's interesting looking at the card design as i've started to sort of take a look at it it's not like we've seen all of the uh blank cards sort of disappear but we've certainly seen less blank cards getting printed and i we've seen a lot more of just these single black cards getting printed as that probably have more like blank style effects in the battle cards and enhanced power cell to me is one example of that as we talk about um you know, the, the, the cards in wave five that are starting to make a splash to me. So I I think this is a really good pick. It's never going to be a bad play. You don't have a lot of utilities fighting for the slot in the deck. So, um, I mean, it's really easy to take horrible up from, you know, his eight health to 11 health, uh, take lockdown to, you know, from 15 health to 18 health and pounds to 15 health. Like those all turn those into reasonably size, uh, control bots, bots that we would have paid a lot more stars for in past waves. And this deck because specifically, because it's so action heavy, like will a lot of times have an an, uh, an upgrade play it wants to have. So you know, right. you just you need a certain number of upgrades in the deck just to have that critical mass of being able to play two cards in a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not sure this deck even has in its current form. It may still be upgrade light. Um, so so let's move forward and talk about weapons a little bit. Um, I'm just going to comment that we, we're still playing three handheld blasters, but I would be the first one to tell you that, and, and Neil probably would as well, that this is a card that's starting to get to a point where it may not actually fit in lists anymore. Like we may be getting to a point where the double blue is less important than finding a meaningful battle card in the slot in general, but uh, it's still here for now. And and we'll see if it sticks around as, as the games and the meta sort of evolves. As long as I have green pips in my deck, I still really like it. Um, you know, it, it sucks when it's like a dead card in your hand, but uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's like proverbially the worst card to draw, right? Like, like when you draw one card for your turn, a handheld blaster is just a, f- a feel bad when you draw it. All right, so I have three handheld blasters. I have two energon axes. Cards just very good. Um, 
it's the best blue weapon. I have a single mm-hmm. Scoundrel's Blaster and a single Soldier's Blaster. I'm not sold on the Soldier's Blaster. I never have been, but I wanted to have a green weapon that I could put on lockdown. And it, it makes lockdown really good in everything except another mercenary mirror. So if you, you know, as long as you're not up against another mercenary, Soldiers is really, really solid. But I w- and one of the things that makes Soldiers sort of a hidden gem to me is uh, if your opponent's playing a lot of SA, which when you're playing a melee deck, uh, SA is a really good gotcha card, right? Because you just, you don't have the, the, you know, the sort of like armed hovercraft that's already done its effect or the sturdy javelin that's going to fall off before SA can get you, you know? So when you're talking about range decks, those cards sort of play around SA, but SA really just kind of hammers the melee weapon suite and so to me soldier's blaster actually allows you to get past that like if you attack with lockdown and you get sa'd you still have a plus two until the end of the turn on lockdown so you don't get completely got that there's some there is some value in that and if you're playing against other autobots i mean soldier's blaster is equally good on horrible or pounds for that same reason yeah i I think the card's fine it's just i just wanted a what another green weapon um because there are going to be times when Scoundrel's Blaster isn't going to cut it if I only have the lockdown. Yeah, um, no, I completely agree. So that's all the upgrades. Like I said, it's very upgrade light right now. Um, but that's mostly because I am testing like what the correct balance of plus three attack actions is. And mm-hmm. I actually have like way more than I could ever want. But uh, I'm sure it will get cut down. But right now in the action suite, I have obviously the ones we talked about, opportune offensive, hand-to-hand combat, and leap into battle. And those are all three ups. So we're, we're, you have essentially got nine copies of plus three attack in this deck, and which seems like a really consistent way to make sure every attack is a plus three attack. And hand-to-hand combat is definitely the worst one. It, it does have the, the melee blue pip, so it's always a blue pip in the deck, this deck specifically. Um, and it requires you not to have a weapon, so that's like not great. But I, I assume that if you ever kill an Energon Axe or a Blaster or whatever with it, you're just winning easily. I don't know. It seems pretty good. Um, but I think probably that will get reduced. Um, I also have three Contract Contingencies, which is yet another pump spell. Um yeah, but I think contract contingencies in not so much for the pump. While the pump is important, it's it's really about uh, triggering the bounty ability on lockdown, right? Which right. It, it for... does a number of things, right? Like it's plus two attack on anybody, so it's basic pump spell. It's a black pip that uh, triggers war. Double black pip. Yep. Um, and on lockdown, it's extra good because uh, you can increase his power for like permanently with it. Um, again, this is one that might get shaved, but. Uh, for now it's at three just I just think that card's very good and the reason that the mercenaries are good is not the mercenaries themselves it's like this suite of cards that goes along with them um, I have a one of counter espionage this card is wonderful I can't get enough of playing this card um, yeah counter espionage is definitely another one of those wave five sort of I don't even think it's a hidden gem. I think when we saw this card it was like wow this this is probably a really good card I mean the the green black obviously we may be undervalued a little bit if we go back and listen to some of our old episodes because of the green black pip but at the end of the day like we're seeing black pips are mattering in the meta at least at this stage in the meta and i mean i would so play this card that, goes blank like this card just super good 
And it is good. It's even better because as agreed, it's even better because it triggers horrible. The cards are just great. And yep. I agree. I, I, I can't, you know, I can't say anything that's bad against it. We are just playing one copy here though. Um, right. We're like relying find... very heavily on the green pip in the current iteration. Uh, it's possible mm-hmm. that you're supposed to play too. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's something that obviously testing will determine again, this goes back to meta dependencies as well. Like counter espionage is, is really good when you're worried about um, a hidden fortification or a sabotage armaments against this deck. Probably, I don't know a lot of other sort of cards that would be an issue. Maybe if people start doing like uh, this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler on your next deck, but if people start doing like Spy Master's Ruse and Lucky Dodge, like uh, Counter Espionage seems like really I mean, really good to stop that. Lucky Dodge is bad, the but there will be lots of Spy Master's Ruse in the meta. Um, yep, and it's counter espionage is great because it's good against the secret actions that before now were un uninteractable, and it also is good even if they don't have a secret action. Like it's still a fine card to play. Uh, it's just super super good. Yep. So then we we move on to you have two copies of end hostilities. This is another wave five card that. Um, I mean, wow, is this card just super powerful, man? Like, it's... Yeah, it's um, very good. Uh, it has, you know, essentially, like, stopped any kind of bold aggro in Which is basically the aggro list we've seen so far coming out of uh, Wave 5 is not a static aggro. It's, it's, it's relying heavily on black pips and bold... Uh, sort of playing off of the developments that you know David so- showed us at the end of Wave Four with uh, his you know Orange Madness deck. So um, this is another one that I was wrong on both this and Belligerence. Like I was pretty like kind of down on them because they're dorky, but it turns out they're great and you should be playing them. Yeah, um, Belligerence is just just a bomb. I mean, it's it's super awesome. So we talked about the hand hand combat. I have Hidden Fortification, another good secret action. Um, talked about the opportune offensives and leaving battles. There's a one-up reprocess. It's pretty standard in every deck now. Um, just if you it's just care about killing, yeah. If you care about killing their upgrades that include utilities, then it's the card to play because you only have to play one, and it's very versatile. Um, yep. two sabotage armaments again. It's good secret action. Three security checkpoints. A Spy Master's Ruse, which a card that I have just become a huge fan of lately. Um, and it's possible that, like, in this deck it's not great, because I'm not sure the secret actions are good in a deck where I want to be using my action step for pumps all the time, but it's good with any secret action. It's good with pounce. It's a green pip. It's a black pip to turn on horrible. It just it does a lot of things. Well, I think I think this is a, an exception to the rule with, in particular, I mean, Spymaster's Ruse allowing you to put down maybe, you know, depending on matchup, something like an SA that's not as, as useful and sometimes ends up being a dead card. And you can kind of sort of throw it under the ruse and never have to reveal it and make sure that Pounce remains at a seven attack, which then allows you to play future secret actions on Pounce turns for like Pounce to get up to nine, which... For an eight-star bot to be punching for nine in a blue deck without any flips is 
pretty good. And I can't yeah, complain. Pounce, you can't complain very, about that. very, very good. And yeah, so uh, we'll talk some more about Spy Masters in the next deck. Uh, but and then the last two cards are work overtimes. And I'm on the fence about what card this should be. I wanted a, number, a couple white pips in the deck. I wanted a hand refiller. And I don't know if it's better than backup plan or uh, system reboot. But I assume that this deck was going to have not very many cards in hand a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much higher on System Reboot than I am Work Overtime anymore, and I have to kind of give a shout to Mark Kinney uh, for him and I having a pretty in-depth conversation about that uh, offline uh, a few months back. Uh, shortly after my PPG Orlando experience, we started talking about System Reboot over Work Overtime because my Orlando list had Work Overtimes, and uh, he was just telling me how System Reboot worked better. And uh, I think at the end of the day, System Reboot has a sort of diversity of and flexibility that you can't get with work overtime when they probably net about the same amount of card draw overall. Uh, but system reboots never turned off. Whereas sometimes, and especially when I was playing Springer system reboot was, or work overtime was just shut off. It didn't do anything. So this deck, I think work overtime has a lot more probability unless you get down an early uh, pocket processor uh, where work overtime just helps you dig through the deck better but it also may be possible that equipment enthusiast is also sort of propping up as an action here oh, it's um, bad in this deck that doesn't have very many upgrades but it's uh, it's worse in this deck i agree you don't have a voltron like a galaxy prime but i mean it's it's possible that right it i mean it must- could be system reboot i i just started with work over time because it's the simplest one it's it's one-sided like system reboot you know if you're playing against a perceptor is good because they're never gonna like get positive card advantage from it but in regular matchups it's possible that system reboot like draws your opponent two cards and that's not necessarily what i want to be doing so i i usually start with work over time and then see how it goes but yeah you know like no, you said I think pocket that's, processor I think that's fine. essentially is also in this same slot of like just a way to make sure that i continue to play two cards a turn um right Yep. So, I mean, this is this is a this is an interesting kind of uh, control list because we're not really um, trying to really control what our opponents are doing, and we're not being super defensive. Obviously, thirty three blues means that we're not guaranteed a, a two defense flip with every uh, you know defensive action. So, you kind of have more of like an expected value of like one point five, one point six blues per defense flip, which Obviously, covert armor really helps you sort of shore that up. Um, right. But I, at the same time, would, we don't really. I would care. say this deck is you know more mid rangey or like an aggressive blue deck rather than a control deck specifically. It doesn't have a lot of right. answers. It has some answers, but mostly it's just like trying to make its smaller dudes important and like beat you down. Um, yeah, it, it, the intent is that. Obviously, if you look at the deck from a from an outside looking in, lockdown looks like the biggest threat, right? Like if you were sitting across the table from this as a player trying to decide who's the threat you need to take off the table first, you you probably want to take lockdown out, but at the same time you can't really afford to ignore pounce or horrible, right? So you end up with this essentially three bots that are kind of all very similar. And so it makes it really difficult for an opponent to decide who to take out first. And depending on who they take out, it doesn't actually matter. I don't think like if somebody kills a horrible, 
like, okay, you still got a lockdown and you still got a pounce. And both of those are really solid. If somebody kills pounce, you still got horrible and lockdown. And if somebody kills lockdown, you still got horrible and pounce. So like at the end of the day, all of these bots are very similar in terms of overall power, but they, they give you um, sort of this ambiguity about which bot is the right one to take out. Right. They're, they're all just like piles of stats, which is, you know, how the game was designed for the melee guys. And, uh, they, I, I don't know that this deck is very good, but you know, when the game just comes down to, uh, um, number of attacks, like these guys have a reasonable defensive stat with the blues in the deck and just their health pool and everything. And they attack for they attack for damage, which is, you know, like not traditionally what the blue deck wants to do. Though I think in the new meta, there will be lots of blue decks that have two good attackers at least. Yeah, I, I agree, especially with these sort of mid-range bots now that are reasonably uh, offensive, right? Like, uh, like Pounce and Horrible. Both of those and, bots are and, reasonably offensive bots for, for low star investment. <laughs> and well, I, I mean, Perceptor starts to get into that main bot stat. Like I know he's he himself doesn't have a huge star cost, but the heads and things that you want to pair him with really means that you're putting him at that sort of 10 star rate. You're putting him into that lockdown sort of value yeah, town. But and obviously you don't have to put a Perceptor's lot of work really into awesome. him attacking for seven or nine. Like, no, no, he's, he's just kind of going to do that <laughs> automatically. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a good sort of, uh, you know, this is a good sort of early on control list where, we're trying to be proactive because we don't know how to be reactive yet, right? We don't know what our opponents are going to throw us and how the meta is going to shake out. Um, and, and how we're going to deal with certain things is all dependent upon what teams sort of rise to the top. So like when Galaxy came out at EI, uh, obviously not a lot of people n- knew how to deal with him yet, right? And so he sort of took over the Energon Invitational you know, but by the time we got to PPG Orlando, while he still won, there were decks that were starting to fight on an equal level with him. And we'll sort of see that happen, I think, as we uh, watch this meta develop even further. And, um, you know, obviously we're not going to get big organized play to sort of gauge that off of. So hopefully we'll get back to some local tournaments and things like that here in the coming months and be able to start to see this sort of shake out and, and see what decks sort of rise to the top. Uh, otherwise I think, you know, folks like ourselves, content creators, we're going to have to continue to sort of push the envelope through our streams and through, uh, YouTube videos and things like that to sort of help see the, the meta kind of come together. And obviously vector uh, Sigma will be probably very much firmly in the center of that, uh, development. Um, so let's, um, let's move on from pump spells. I mean, I think, I think everybody's got, it. it's a pretty straightforward deck. It's not something that, uh, I think requires a lot of finesse to play, but this next deck that we're going to talk about, uh, which was your brew, uh, you played it on stream, uh, just recently against me here. And, uh, I think it's a deck that is not going to be easy for the general populace to play, but I do, this deck is a pile of garbage, man. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's got some, some, it's so fun. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is though. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. I think it's one of these decks that might push 
the way we look at how certain bots and team ups work, because um, to be honest, you really like the, the quake aggro deck that I've been playing uh, is not a bad deck. Like we've, we all agree that the deck is probably still doesn't have its card choices a hundred percent, but it's, it's 90% there. And this deck on its first iteration really gave that deck a lot of fits. Right. And as we start talking about like, aggro lists and we start talking about other control lists like this deck just has answers for just about everything that could happen not saying that it's always going to happen but could happen and so because of that uh, it makes it a really interesting sort of play and i'm not sure like i think i'd have to play this deck quite a few times before i ever felt super confident about uh, how to use it and what to do with it so uh, let's start with the characters. We, we, you just simply call this sky warps. Um, so, you know, we'll dub this not King Neil's sky warps. Um, let's start, obviously that, that kind of leads in, but, uh, let's, let's talk about the character lineup. What did you choose here and why? And so, you can probably include stratagem since we have it. All right. So the starting team is, uh, this wave two sky warp. I don't even remember. It's, Skywarp teleporting seeker. Um, he's ten stars. He is the one that cares about blank pips, like like no pip guards. Um, Sergeant Skywarp from Wave Three, who is just one of my favorite cards in the game. Very awesome, and Night Racer, who I think is one of the best bots they printed in Wave Five. Um, she's she's she is really good, really solid. Yeah. Uh, the, Although she is tripwireable, we haven't seen how she holds up against tripwire decks but right i i think in general the decks that have a night racer in them are less susceptible to tripwire but it's still probably really good um so and then i have the night racer stratagem stealth mission for additional stars of secret actions and so that that allows you just to so for those that aren't following along um or maybe just haven't uh been working through this yet this gives you a bot lineup of 24. So you already had one secret star, uh, one star available. Right. And the, uh, the stealth mission is the one star and it gets you an additional star. As long as like your two in the deck are secret actions. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so let's, uh, we'll, we'll leave the secret action you decided to play. We kind of spoiled it maybe a little bit earlier on well, in the episode, but if, if we're going to talk about why I picked these guys, we got to talk about, uh lucky dodge so um, okay <laughs> so that no to, surprise to start, lucky to start it off uh i wanted to build a deck like this for a while because after they printed w5 gyro blaster i was always enamored with the idea of skywarp teleporting seeker and w5 gyro blaster because obviously it's a blank pip so it triggers his ability and his alt side can pick it up from the discard pile and also, I think it just has a lot of synergy with his bot side because if both players are only allowed to flip two cards, you having the ability to flip a card that gives plus three plus three and them not having that seems really good to me. So I've always been kind yeah, of like I, enamored I with that that interaction um, because it makes him really good and he can pick it up uh, from the discard pile with his flips. Um then, you know, in, in Wave 5, they printed the secret action version of that, 
temporal quagmire, um, which I think is outclassed by a lot of the secret actions we have now, but the the two battle cards is a powerful ability, and I have a couple of temporal quagmires in the deck, um, with the similar idea being that he can pick it up, and Sergeant Skywarp can pick it up with his alt mode uh, that gets secret actions back. Um, and again, if both players are only allowed to flip two cards, and one of yours is plus three plus three, that's very good. So, that's where Skywarp Teleporting Seeker came from. Now, I chose the lucky dodges in the deck because when they printed this card, I was like, well, this is... There has to be some dorky way that we can, you know, equip an emergency defense field and have a lucky dodge in play and essentially be immune to damage, combat damage. Um... Mm-hmm. because one does even and one does odd. And this is just like the little kid notion of the century, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person <laughs> that came to this conclusion because we all know odd and even numbers are different and <laughs> it covers all bases. But um, I just thought that this would be fun. And it turns out that a lot of what this deck is doing is okay because I think there is a secret actions archetype of control that doesn't have the dorky lucky dodge stuff in it, but um, I actually think the lucky dodge still is good because you're playing Spy Master's Ruse, and so it just gives you the opportunity to nullify an attack when it matters the most. Providing that the the you know you're not going to nullify a three, right? If somebody hits you for three, you're going to be like, okay, fine, well, we'll take it. I might, and that's you know? what Spy Master's. <laughs> it's I mean, maybe Spy Master's Ruse makes the card a lot more palatable, right? Like because. You have to reveal it after you know how much damage you're taking, so you can just, like, anytime you take even damage, you just leave it face down on the Spymaster's Ruse. But, I mean, you attack me for eight, I'm SOL, right? Like, like my, my Lucky Dodge still did nothing. Like, it's still 50-50 that your big hit is even or odd. So, like, in the game we played on stream where you tried to do nine to me, and I Lucky Dodged you, like... You get blown out, and I'm the greatest. But if you did eight instead, and, then and I, I did look that like with a fool. parsec, just to be just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> a two if, attack base yeah, guy. If you attack me like, for eight or ten, I look like a foolish fool, and it's so it's still like pretty bad, I think. But it's it's very fun, and the thing about this deck was not that I was trying to go all in on this. It's just like something that that the deck can do. So this deck has a million one ofs in it because of the Sergeant Skywarp. Uh, that can pick up two secret actions of different names, and because of the Skywarp Teleporting Seeker that can pick up a blank card. It has a ton of one-ofs that I can, you know, draw at at my leisure. I I think we might actually start with the actions, because this deck is really focused on that, probably more so than its equipment suite. Um, But... I mean, I think we, we'll we get to the equipment because I think you've made good equipment choices here. Um, so let's let's start with just breaking down the action list. Um, you start with a one-of bolster, secret action. So bolster, bolster specifically for the emergency defense field combo. Um, like Cause that's just a gotcha at that point. Right. I don't know if it's actually good. Uh, you you kind of like the bolster is probably only good in the situation where you already have the lucky dodge on a spy master's ruse and you have the emergency defense field in hand and you have Sergeant Skywarp in pop mode. So you can like pick the bolster up and uh, then you set up a thing where unless they have like a counter espionage 
and name one of two very bad cards that you shouldn't be playing, uh, you get them for sure. So that's it's a one of it gets picked up by Sky, Sergeant Skyhorp. So I think it's okay. Yep. So so then you have a one of counter espionage. Obviously, we've talked a lot about this, and this is another one of those cards that. You know, again, the correct number is something that further testing will require, but it seemed uh, seemed just fine when we were playing the other day. Uh, you're running three end hostilities, so this deck is really trying to uh, hard hate on aggro list, right. so, which is why it was very favorable in the matchup we played. So the secret actions, like the good secret actions, um, <laughs> end hostilities and sabotage armaments, I'm playing three of. I'm playing zero hidden fortifications. And the reason for that is because this deck still has the gyroblaster in it. Like, and I think that's a very powerful thing the deck does. So hidden fortification does not have good synergy with that. And also this deck, like if you look at the pie chart for this deck on Fortress Maximus, it's like a circus. It's got purple and black and whatever. And (laughs) so having tough three is much less meaningful in this deck that like, has a bunch of blanks and like a random orange you, you and s- you still have 26 blues but the the problem is is that you've got 14 blanks in this list to make so sky so i work. think hidden fortification in general is is not exactly where i want to be because i just don't think the tough is good um because you can't because wave two sky warp doesn't get the second plus three plus three so it's i just didn't play any of those but because you want to have a bunch of secret actions in play. You still have to play a number of them, and end hostilities and, and sabotage armaments are the best ones, so I have three of each of those. Um, I have a single hiding spot. Again, it's it's a one of that Sergeant Skyward can pick up, and it's very powerful. Um, so the, the only thing, like, we were, as we look at this deck, the only thing that I think might actually be a good consideration for the deck that I can see, and we'll get into the upgrade soon, is Nitro Booster. Because you could still trigger Skywarp and still get Nitro Booster to trigger and untap him. So you'd actually be able to get another Skywarp attack out and not subject him to... Well, the problem with Nitro Booster shot. is that, like, essentially every card in this deck is fishable, and Nitro Booster is not. And because it's not actually blank, it doesn't, like, help the Skywarp. And the Black Pips in this deck are not great. I don't have a lot of instances of Pierce. Um, so I, I'm just looking at it from an untapped perspective, but you also are running a single ready for action, which we'll get to yes. as well. I so. have a one of I still function, um, very powerful blank card to pick up with Skywarp. Um, that one is one that I don't know about that it it's the best, but it's it's a very powerful blank card. So I thought that it would be a good fit. Um, you got me with it the other day, yeah. like you you. I mean, like we were in a pretty tight matchup, and that I still function just sort of pushed me to a it, breaking. It point. is an extremely powerful card. Um, I have the two lucky dodges. Uh, obviously, either Skywarp can pick up a lucky dodge. I have a single one shell stand, a single ready for action, just a couple one ofs to get with Skywarp teleporting seeker. I have three rollouts. This is a card that I am not sold on um, because I found myself using my action slot for secret action every turn. Um, but the idea behind this was that I like the orange blue, um, because when Skywarp attacks, if like it gives him, a, if you flip the rollout, you're probably flipping like plus four on either end because you'll get the blank and then 
uh, whichever side of that you want. And also, the rollout for both Skywarps to draw three cards like seemed really, really good. Um, but again, I, I found myself using my action every turn almost to place by Master Drew, so it might have to be something else. Uh, then I have the Sabotage Armaments. I have three security checkpoints, of course. I have a single showing off um, as a blank pip that Skywarp can pick up, and playing it on either Skywarp is very good. Um, I have the three Spymaster's Ruses. I mean, if there was ever a deck that Spymaster's Ruse was the best in, this has to be close to it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's a, a better deck that plays it, but there's no way that Spymaster's Ruse is better in that deck than it is here. <laughs> uh, I have a one one of Supporting Fire, which is a card that I really like from Wave 5 uh, as a powerful blank one of. I think it's a really good card. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely incorporating more and more of these into my deck builds, uh, especially because it seems like what we're running into now with heads and things like that is uh, the ineffectiveness of having to attack into a small dinky head with your sort of uh, marquee bot uh, in a lot of the matchups. And maybe that'll change as things evolve but in the short term I, I feel like it gives you the opportunity to make sure that marquee bot does something meaningful and doesn't waste his attack into a you know a one yeah, star attacking an untap guy is an extremely powerful ability like it's, it's just really good so if i want a supporting fire i have two of temporal quagmire we talked about the gyro blaster thing um and it's another just good like anti-bold uh secret action um and then on the upgrade side I have two emergency defense shields. This is the like block even damage amount. Um, defense field, but yeah. yeah, same same difference. Only pick upable by wave two Skywarp, um, but uh, you can. That's how you set up the like lucky dodge plus emergency defense field, which I did against you, and then I was so sad because my <laughs> my Skywarp was at one HP. And I yeah. I gave him the defense field, and I, I played scouting mission. And I played the lucky dodge, <laughs> and you did one damage to it. I was really sad outside yeah. of combat. Yeah, with the scouting mission, man, I love that. That play was so awesome. <laughs> I gave you two cards, but, but I killed your bots. So, um, <laughs> so I have the two emergency defense fields for the wacky combo. I have two sturdy armors because yeah. both skywarps are specialists. It does not go on night tracer, but I she's more of a support. Um, I have a gyro blaster as a one of. Again, I I just think it's really good on Skywarp. Um, I have a single crash landing, which is mostly in there for memes. Uh, again, it's pick upable by teleporting seeker. Um, it actually mattered though. In one of our games, I think you got to do five to me with a crash landing. Yeah, I did. I did there. six I mean, to you with it because I had a yeah. I had her equipped with a um, energon axe. Right, that's what it um, was. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, that's a big hit. I mean that's a hard hit to take. Yeah, it, I don't know that that had a lot to do with how that game went, but it it's whenever I wanted to play a teleporting seeker to pick up blanks, like I always wanted to have the one of crash landing just for the memes. So it's on the chopping block, um, but I think it's good ish. <laughs> um, and then the weapon slot, I have the blasters for the double blues. I have a one of Scoundrel's Blaster. Obviously, all my guys are Decepticons. I have two Energon Axes and a one of uh, EM24 IR Laser Launcher, which is a mouthful, but just a plus three weapon that Teleporting Seeker can pick up. 
can pick up. So yeah, the, I I like that a lot. I find this game this deck to be very fun, uh, just because like you make a lot of like you have access to your whole deck all the time because you're always putting cards in the bin, and essentially every card in the deck uh, can be picked up by one of the two. Skywarps. Like the only ones that don't are Sturdy Armor, which you can get with the green, Handheld Blaster, which you don't care about, um, Energon Axe, which like you just have to play because it's great. Um Counter Espionage, which you can get because it's a green. And uh security checkpoint and rollout. Like those are like security checkpoint rollout, handheld blaster are the only ones that you can't just get on demand. And uh, so and and those cards were essentially in the deck just for the pips. So, um, I I find that to be very fun. Uh, I think it's funny that it has a dorky combo in it. Um, I like playing Gyro Blaster. I I like Skywarp. I I don't think this deck is competitive. I think it does show that there is a competitive list that probably has a like some combination of Sergeant Skywarp and Pounce or Perceptor and Pounce. And, like, the good secret actions and Spymaster's Ruse, like, make a very good deck. Because yeah. no, I, the, I agree. The interaction of Spymaster's Ruse and secret actions, when I originally valued it as, like, you two-for-one-ing yourself because you're playing two cards to counter their one, like, that is true that that happens. But a lot of times the secret actions are such a blowout that, like... Like, you're in one of two situations, where the secret action is such a blot, you don't care that you spent two cards. Or, if you didn't have the Spymaster's Ruse, and, like, I play a Sabotage Armor, it's whatever, your opponent just plays around it, and then you, like, one for zero yourself in favor of tempo. Yeah, and I, I would say there's, yeah, I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges that's happened is, you know, good opponents are going to recognize that the worst card for whatever scenario is a sabotage armaments or a hidden fortification, and at least in the old way for meta, right? That's what we were faced off with. And so you would just play around those things. You would, you would purposely not send a big attack in or suit up a guy and waste a bunch of cards because that would just get you so you would kind of play around it now with spy master's ruse you can't play around it you almost have to like sacrifice your big play like i did this the other day right i knew you had a spy master's ruse down i had three focus fires in my hand and i knew one of those cards was an end hostilities under a ruse right and so i had no choice i couldn't play around it because my the deck i was playing didn't have counter espionage the only way i'd play around it would be to counter espionage and call out end hostilities otherwise i have to just sort of commit to the big attack so that you flip the end hostilities and i get value because if i do anything else i'm just i'm so far behind it's not just tempo you just get me because you still have tempo for a future turn ruse is insane and i agree with you maybe this isn't the perfect example of a control list that um is competitive but i think it tells you it tells a lot about how the competitive meta is sort of going to evolve as we see the game move forward i think that there is a very good spy masters ruse deck that exists right now and this is maybe not it but it is uh like it just shows off that even when the deck's full of bad cards, the Spymaster's Ruse plus Secret Actions is very powerful. And, like, 
Spymaster's Ruse is good with like Infiltrate, um, the ones that are even more kind of specific. Uh, any of the counter spells, like it's it's just really good. And did we ever get one that allows you to counter a black pip? No, I didn't think so. There is one, and so we there's, there's one for blue, uh, orange, and white right now, and there's also one that says like when they play their second action, you can negate it. Right, right. So I was just thinking if there was a way to actually sort of counter the espion, the counter espionage, like sort of get into this sort of loop scenario where we could actually protect from the espionage. I think most often the card you care about most against this deck is counter espionage. So like I would name counter espionage with my counter espionage a lot of the time. Yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, if you were really wanting to try to save it, you could still play a one of or two of espionage just, just so that you knew the counter espionage is in hand. You could save your counter espionages for face down secret actions. You know I mean? Like that, that's starting to get really into that sort of what I would call the control magic, right? Where we're really playing counters on counters and reacting and, and then just sort of turning the corner eventually to win the game after the tempo has been, uh, and, and the wind has been kind of sucked out of the sails, if you will. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, uh, there, this, maybe this lineup isn't perfect, but I think Sergeant Skywarp and his ability to recur the secret actions puts a lot of power in a player's hands to get exactly what they need sort of continuously. Right. In a deck where like so, the best card you can draw is like hidden fortification or end hostilities or whatever return Skywarp seems pretty good. Um, yeah. I agree. So I, like I said, I don't know if he's better than like Perceptor or something like another card advantage engine. Um, but like this deck, if if you just replaced Wave Two Skywarp with Pounce and some cards in the main deck, I think you'd have a real a real deck pretty fast. Um, but this was mostly for fun. I thought it was super fun. It it has a bunch of really powerful cards in it because we all know the blanks are like some of the most powerful effects in the game and uh I I just really like Skywarp, so <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean I was I was very impressed with it and to be honest, like without counter espionage and, and this is more of a lesson to our listeners, you need to be running counter espionages now. Like there's just there's no deck in the format that doesn't need counter espionage. It's almost like, and there's no, you know how there's we no had downside to playing it. Like it's even if your opponent doesn't have a bunch of secret action or deck, it's still a fine card in a lot of situations. That's so like, it's very good when it's good and it's pretty good when it's not good. So, yep. It, 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 the floor is so high on it and the ceiling is just, you know, astronomical. So just, just, um, Start thinking about it uh, when you're building your list and start considering it as just a, a almost required. And whether it's a one of or a two of or even a three of is really up to you to decide. I'm not sure three of is necessary with the green pip on it. Uh, it's kind of similar to the sort of mentality we've had about when you're playing Autobots, you know, running a couple of Nobles Blasters or Decepticons running a couple of Scoundrels. I think you have a very similar sort of... Um, you have a very similar sort of uh, opinion on how to, to deck build around it. And with deck lists getting tighter and tighter with good battle card choices and things like that, obviously not running three gives you another card slot for another card in the deck that's on plan for whatever your deck is trying to do. Um, 
I, I just, I, I was really impressed with this list, Ness. Neil, I just, I, I know that maybe we didn't play it against the best aggro deck in the format, um, but I think we played it against a deck that is reasonable enough to gauge the the power of this deck. And obviously we need to add counter espionage to that deck and then reline them up and see what happens. Um, but I, I think you're, sh- you're short come like sort of short selling the power of this deck to our listenership. Uh, and I think it's something that you should give it a try. It is difficult. I think like there's a lot of decisions to make, particularly when to flip to get back the, you know, secret actions you're looking for to, you know, get back the other cards you're looking for from, um, the regular sky warp, you know, I mean, it's not, it's definitely a, a decision heavy deck. It's very, I, I think it's very hard to accurately get the best out of all your turns because you have so much access. And and this list still actually has room for one more star because you only have 26 stars in the list, Neil, and you can go up to 27. So, because you can have up, you can have uh, up to two extra stars, right? So, yeah, it's got, if you take 10 on Skywarp Seeker, 10, 8 on Sk- Sergeant Skywarp takes you to 8, that leaves you with 7 available. So you you still got one star left here oh. that you could actually take advantage of I if you had, really wanted to tweak this deck further. That's okay. I I don't think it needed another star card, and maybe there's well, not another, another really. Uh, yeah, just go three dodges. That's what I kind of figured. But um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it didn't need that third dodge. You you just had you had dodges for days, and you had uh, I think you, like you said, you set up that one emergency defense field, and if I just wouldn't have had an answer in that particular scenario. Um, I would have just, it would have just completely nullified a whole turn for me. And I think anytime you can do that, that's the kind of thing that a real control deck is trying to do, right? It's sort of, to me, like when we talk about wave four decks, it sort of tells me that wave four, like galaxy prime to me is like a mid range deck now. And this is the example when you start talking about control and trying to control the flow of the game. Uh, that's something that I'm not a hundred percent sure that like what we've had in the past as qualified control decks uh, really f- ever fit that bill quite right. I think they were more sort of mid-range decks. And once you had your your Voltron guy moving, then you were you were off to the races with those decks. And um, it's interesting. I, I think it's nice to see that sort of thing starting to emerge. Uh, it adds another element to the game that... Uh, increases uh, the opponent's skill requirement. So, like, the skill gap is going to f- further separate when cards like Spy Master's Ruse I, exist. I very much enjoy the mini game of, like, try to figure out what secret action your opponent has. And yeah. the counter espionage has, like, made that mini game 10 times as fun. Like, because yeah, now you don't just have to, like, know what it is. You get to, like, kill it, or if they have one and you think it's something else, you can still just like name what would be the biggest blowout and see it and then play accordingly. Like it, I'm just going to get you with the uh, decipher. That's it. (laughs) If these decks start emerging and there's a bunch of spy masters, ruses laying down multiple secret actions, I'm just going to start playing decipher. (laughs) (laughs) The memes, man, it's all about the memes. I'm deciphering your secret actions. If that card did anything else it, it, on top of doing some damage, it'd be worth it. I'm pretty it, sure just... that card is... Uh, it's funny because I'm pretty sure that card can't be countered by any of the secret actions. <laughs> Isn't no, it green it can't. Black? 
it is yeah <laughs> that's what i mean like i'm just gonna start playing like a one of decipher and my opponent starts laying a bunch of ruses down i'm just gonna hold it because <laughs> i mean i i think there you know especially if there's a pound stack i think there's something to be said about like just holding secret actions under ruse and buff pounds but and then once pounce is gone then you've got these secret actions to sort of stand up on your big guy right pounce and nice um, racer make the uh secret action thing even more interesting because like you just like is it even worth you know, infiltrating their card or whatever, or keeping your pounce at seven attack. Right. right. Or, I mean, in some cases, if you manage to get second spy masters, which doesn't seem impossible because of the green pip on spy masters, then you're just like pounces nine attack. And like, he's, he's, he's punching above galaxy prime levels in terms of an unsuited galaxy prime. You had to work for it. Granted, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't just get, you know, get it out of the gate, but, like wow i mean that's still for right for the, the thing about pounce is that the work you have to do is like work you already want to be doing so it's absolutely it's not like megatron or something where you're like jumping through all these hoops that you may or may not even care about doing normally pounce the hoops you jump through are just like things your actions you're already taking in the game 100 percent correct yes no, so well, we are actually up against the time, man. That that hour went fast tonight, Neil. Like I think you know it, it was fun uh, chatting with you about these decks. Obviously, um, there's a lot of room for control decks to sort of grow from here, and I think that we don't really know yet what um, the real sort of uh, control deck that will emerge. Uh, oh, it'll be I think interesting it probably to see. Has know, a perceptor in it. <laughs> You're probably right. Although I did hear Scott on stream last night mention that uh, he thought that Perceptor was probably better in the aggro versions than he was in the control versions. So that's just because the aggro version is better doesn't mean he's not the best in control too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if the game we can get into a whole nother if if that sort of thing evolves, we'll, I'm going to probably go on a bit of a rant myself. But um, anyways, we uh, I think. We will wrap up episode, what are we on, 15? This was 14, I believe. 14, okay. I I can't even keep track of episodes. Episode 14, we're just trucking right along here. Um, But yeah, I I, I appreciate everybody that came aboard the bus tonight to talk about control lists. Obviously, if uh, you enjoy our content, a heart to on SoundCloud or, you know, a like or a retweet, any of those things really help us. Uh, know that we're doing something that you enjoy. Um, obviously, check us out on Twitch. We stream every Sunday from 2 p.m. Central until 4 p.m. Central. So uh, we definitely would love if you join us. That stream is growing, which we're super excited about, and we love all the viewers and people chatting and um, super excited to continue to try to develop and bring content that way during this time. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks with episode 15 so it's uh well i don't know what we're not we're well beyond a baker's dozen now (laughs) oh boy oh boy all right so that should do it for the night neil thanks for joining me as usual it was a pleasure and we'll see y'all in the next episode thanks everyone thank you for listening to another episode of the shuffle bus you can support neil and jesse through tcgplayer.com your purchase of singles from our shop helps us cover the cost of running the podcast and streams We know that not all players can support us in this fashion, and just throwing us a like or share on your favorite social media platform is also much appreciated. Be sure to check out theshufflebus.com for more great content.